Well, I'm here with particular joy and gladness this morning, not just because it's Sunday morning at Resurrection, which is always opportunity for joy and gladness, but because two days ago, uh, if you would have talked to me, you would have heard my voice was almost completely shot. Like I couldn't get a word out without my voice cracking like that. And those of you who know me, you know that I am already pretty insecure about the fact that I look like I'm 17. And I just thought, oh, great, now they'll think, and he hasn't even finished puberty yet. So, so I'm thankful that voice is restored. Here we are. Uh, let's pray. Father, you promised through your beloved Son that if we asked for the Holy Spirit, you would be delighted to give. Send now the fullness of your Holy Spirit, that your Spirit may speak words of truth, of refreshing, of edification to build up your church. Put your words in my mouth and open the hearts and the ears of these your servants, that we may hear and that we may do. Teach us to pray, Lord. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So several years ago, I worked at an elementary school as a teacher aide. And in order to develop friendships with the other folks on staff, I played on the, on the volleyball team, the staff volleyball team. And I got to know the gym uh, teacher, a guy named Sean. He was a little bit older than me, and forgive me if this offends you, but he was kind of a stereotypical jock. Big, didn't say a whole lot, didn't seem like there was a whole lot going on. I mean, he was smart, but it didn't seem like there was just much passion in his life about anything. And I really wanted to see this guy come alive. In the Lord. So I would pray for him as well as the others um, with my prayer partner that year. That was one of my regular prayers. And it came into my mind towards the end of the school year grab his phone number. You know he likes to play tennis. I've played tennis before, so go play tennis, build a friendship. So that was my mission. I had about a month left before school was done. Just walk down to the gym, grab Sean's phone number, and set up some dates to play tennis. Well, the month came and went, and I still didn't get his number. And by the last day of school, I was like, okay, this is ridiculous. How hard is it to ask for somebody's phone number and say, can we play tennis this summer? So I went down to the gym on the last day of the school year, and he'd already left for the summer. I thought, great, I had one job to do. I failed. Now he'll never become a Christian. I get back to school in the fall, after several months, and I see him around in the hallways, and we, we talk and we interact, and it seems to me that something's different, and he one day brings it up. He says, Brett, I want to tell you, I've become a Christian this summer. I said, Sean, that's wonderful, and I'm not surprised. I can see it in your eyes. I really could see the difference. There was that light. He had something exciting about him now. And he said, yeah, I met a girl. We started dating. Her family's really involved at a church in the area, and I, I, I just I got plugged in. A few months later, we were sitting at a, a school assembly, and he, he just sat down right next to me and kind of elbowed me and said, Brett, I just got baptized on Sunday. I said, Sean, that's great news. And I love this story because I did pretty much nothing except pray. Prayer works. In the kingdom of God, prayer changes things. In fact, nothing is done in the kingdom of God without prayer, and much is done in the kingdom of God through prayer that's not done through anything else. This story being a case in point. So why do we pray? Because prayer works. So for the next three sermons, this week, the following week, and the week after, we're going to be talking about prayer. And after that, in a few weeks, we're going to start what's called Prayer 40. 40 days 
of 24 hours a day, seven days a week, continuous prayer of the whole church. Not all together at once, but you get the idea, like handing off the baton one after another so that there's continuous prayer in our prayer chapel because we believe prayer works, that nothing works without it. But as soon as we start talking about prayer, questions come up, insecurities, right? Like I even feel this myself, I should be praying more. There's that devil's word again, more. You don't pray enough. That's the devil's vocabulary. But I hear that, I feel that. Many people say, yeah, I'm not sure that I I even pray every day. If I really thought about it, there are days that go by where I don't say a single prayer. And so today, this first sermon in the sermon series, the goal is very simple, a little bit basic. Forgive me if it seems a little bit elementary, but I, I need to be refreshed in this. The goal is to get us praying every day, every single one of us. That's the goal. So we're going to talk about how do we do that. Some people feel like, well, I'm just not that type of Christian. I would, I would never do the prayer 40 thing. I, I'm not God's type. I'm, I'm not that kind of person. I don't really pray that much. Me and God, we, we don't say a lot to each other. People who talk about God speaking to them, I think that's weird and I just don't get it. How do you pray anyway? Well, that's great if you're asking that question because Jesus gives us an answer. It's one of the few times in the Gospels, actually, where somebody asks him a direct question and he gives a direct answer. He says, I'm going to answer the question you asked me. So let's turn in your bulletins or your Bibles to Luke 11. Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he was finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. What a fantastic phrase for us to adopt, embrace, and to make a prayer. Teach us to pray. To pray. Teach us how to pray. Sort of like in the old stories, like with genies in a bottle. You, you get the genie out and he says, you got three wishes. But one of the rules is you can't wish for more wishes, right? Not so in the kingdom of God. We can pray about prayer. We can say, God, teach us how to pray more. We can pray about how to pray. Jesus wants to teach us how to pray. He loves to teach us how to pray. And we need to be apprenticed. Now, this whole idea of of being apprenticed, it's something that's kind of fallen out of practice in our society. When you get a job, you just kind of, maybe you've got like a week's of training, if you're lucky, and you just kind of get thrown in and now succeed. It doesn't work that way. If you need to learn a trade or a skill, you need to be apprenticed by a master over time. Right? We, We have what I call the matrix syndrome. Remember the matrix movie came out about two, two decades ago now when I was in high school? And you're like, yeah, I still don't believe you were in high school two decades ago. And the movie was a futuristic movie in which one aspect of it is people could like plug into a computer and essentially get downloaded into their brain new skills in five seconds. So one of the famous lines from this is Neo, the the main character, plugs in and it's an action movie. So he, he gets downloaded Kung Fu and he wakes up and he says, I know Kung Fu. Right? Yeah. That, that line will never die. Five seconds, and now he knows Kung Fu. And, and we, we want that. We're like, oh, that's so awesome. But of course, you know, that's not how you learn anything of true value. The closest thing I've ever had to a master-apprentice relationship was when I was younger uh, and taking trumpet lessons in middle school and high school. I, I took lessons from the professor at the University of Northern Colorado named Bill Fund. He was my teacher. He really was my master 
And towards the end of high school, I went to a solo and ensemble competition somewhere else in the state, about an hour away from my town. I played my piece, and afterwards the judge said, well, you do pretty well. I would wager that you are a student of Bill Fund. I didn't know this guy from Adam, and said, well, yes, you're right. How do you know? He said, I can tell by your sound. I know Bill and I know his sound. You sound like him. Felt pretty good that day. So did Bill when I told him. Right? What a blessing. And that didn't happen in one lesson. Right? Showed up, have a lesson. Make me sound like you, Bill. Ah, it didn't work. So on to the next thing. No, it took years and practice. Lots of time in that studio. In, in a music lesson, the two most important things are the master plays whenever there's something hard. He says, let me demonstrate for you. So that's one important thing. The second important thing is you play duets. You play together. And that's how I, over time, became, began to sound like Bill. So we need to be apprentices at prayer. And when we come to Jesus and we say, Lord, teach us how to pray, he says, I would be delighted to. I was reading a book in prayer, on prayer just this week by Andrew Murray, who was a world-famous, world-renowned preacher, I think in the 19th century, from South Africa. And he said in the opening remarks in this book, you know, Jesus doesn't say a whole lot on how to preach well. He doesn't. He didn't tell the disciples, look, if you want to know how to preach, here's what you've got to do. He does say an awful lot about how to pray well. It's far more important. So when the disciples come and say, Lord, teach us to pray, Jesus is delighted. And from this, we, we learn, we're going to talk about two things today. Very simple, basic kind of principles of how to pray. First, we go to God. Seems kind of simple, but that's the beginning of prayer. Second, we come with our needs. So we're coming to Jesus. We go to God. We say, teach us how to pray. Apprentice us in prayer. And this is what Jesus says. Okay, when you pray, say this. And then he teaches them a prayer that we call the Lord's Prayer or the Our Father. Uh, In all the places that he teaches and talks about prayer, this is the one where he specifically gives, these are the words you are to say. And in verse 2, our English translation of the word when could also be whenever. So whenever you pray, pray this way. Or every time you pray, pray this way. So it doesn't matter if you've prayed a little bit in your life or if you've prayed a lot. That desire, Jesus, teach us and teach me how to pray, it's always fresh. It's always new. It's something we should always be asking. And he will always say, okay, great. Begin with the prayer that I taught you how to pray. We make a mistake if we've been Christians for a long time. We make a mistake if we think, uh, that's, you know, that's like what they teach the kids. We've moved on to more grown-up stuff. No, 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 no. Jesus is saying, whenever you pray, every time you pray, pray the Lord's Prayer. Because the Lord's Prayer is a great prayer. It contains so much in and of itself. It is a teacher. It teaches us how to pray. So not only do we pray the Lord's Prayer, but when we look at it, and we look at the structure of the prayer, it shows us, okay, if you want to then pray beyond simply reciting the Lord's Prayer, which that is good to go beyond that, how do you do it? How do you pray? How do you grow in prayer? So when we look at the structure, we find that the prayer is basically in two parts. The first part is, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. 
This is the going to God first. The second part, give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive everyone who's indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. Now we're coming with our need, our daily needs, our need for forgiveness, to be drawn near to God, and our need for salvation, with the lowercase s. Salvation, capital S, that's done, that's what's in the bag. But the little trials and temptations, actually temptation could also be translated testing. Right? So anytime we're under a test or a trial, that we have a need to say, Lord, see me through this trial. Help me get out of this valley and into that broad open place again. So those are the needs. Our daily needs, the need for forgiveness and to extend forgiveness, and the testing and temptation. But it begins, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Jesus says, if you want to know how to pray, go to God first. Now, this prayer, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, that was actually a very common Jewish prayer. It would have been very familiar to any Jew of the first century. Similar to the Psalms, which say, your name is holy and high and exalted. It's lifted up. What is unique is addressing God as Father. This is the starting place of all prayer. The goal of prayer, the purpose of prayer, is to know the Father's love. Simply that. The goal of all prayer is to know the Father heart of God. Interesting that that is also the goal of the work of salvation itself. Salvation, capital S is that Jesus was sent to the world to take those of us who were far away, those of us who were not children, those of us who were alienated and cut off from God, not children of God, but children of wrath, and to take us and to bring us back to God and to make peace with God, that we might call Him Father. That's the whole goal of salvation, is to reunite us to our Father. So in prayer, Jesus says, the work of prayer is a lot like the work of salvation. Union with God is the effect of prayer, says Gregory of Nyssa, a 4th century church leader, theologian. Union with God is the effect of prayer. And it begins by the simple word, Father. And if we even wanted to simplify the Lord's Prayer to even just one word, that would be it. Father. In it is contained the whole scope of salvation. Jesus made some people very angry when he called God his Father. The teachers of of the law, the Jewish leaders, they said, when you call God Father, you make yourself equal to God. In the Old Testament, in the Hebrew Scriptures, God is not called Father very often. And when he is, it's always the Father of his people Israel. Never does an individual say, you are my Father. So for Jesus to say, you're my father and for him to invite his disciples his followers you and me to also say father is an extraordinary thing father and he goes on to say hallowed be your name hallowed is just an old-fashioned word for holy your kingdom come this is saying when we go to God first we come not with our needs first that's important I mean, the whole rest of this passage, the parable about the visitor at midnight and the ask, seek, and knock, and the if you know how to give, 
fish and eggs to your children, your father knows how to provide for you too. All of that is to bless and to say, yes, come to God with your needs. So Jesus makes provision for that. That's an important part of prayer. But he says, first, come to God and worship him. Hallowed be your name. Your name is holy. We're not asking God to make his name holy. It already is. But what we are doing is we're, we're praising him. We're saying your name is holy. Worship, it seems a little bit simple. Uh, it seems like we're just saying who God is. Like one of the most simple phrases of worship is, you are God. I mean, how often do we come up to one another and say, you are Tom, you are Molly. And yet that's what worship is. You are God. You're everlasting. You're eternal. You're holy. There is no one like you. You're the creator of all that is. You see, when we start by going to God first, it puts us in the correct posture of, oh yeah, I'm a creature created by God. I'm small. He's really big. And that's not a frightening thing. It's actually a freeing thing when we go to God first in worship. Worship can be described as praise and thanksgiving. So even though thanksgiving is not specifically mentioned here in the Lord's Prayer, we can assume that's part of hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. I mean, indeed, when we think about the eternal kingdom, like the everlasting kingdom, the kingdom of God that is coming, that someday when Jesus comes back, we, if you believe in him, you will be a part of that kingdom. When we think about that kingdom, the prayer of praise and thanksgiving will be the only prayer left. We won't need to pray confession anymore, thanks be to God. We won't need to pray for our needs anymore, not in that place, yet praise and thanksgiving remain. And yet, when we think about how to pray, so often we go to our needs first and we forget praise and thanksgiving. We forget who we are, children of the Father. When we start with praise and thanksgiving, that's when we begin to enter into the Father heart of God. We bless Him, and He blesses us. So important to begin that way. Yes, your kingdom come. Not my kingdom, of course, your kingdom. So we go to God first. Then the second part of the prayer says, Give us each day our daily bread. You can start talking about now, it is appropriate, it's good, it's right to come to God with our needs. God loves it when we come to Him with our needs. We've been reading uh, The Magician's Nephew to our girls recently. It's one of the Chronicles of Narnia, the first in the series. And it has a Christ figure, a lion named Aslan. And he sends uh, two little children and a flying horse, it's a, it takes place in a magical world, off on a journey to go get a, a magic apple. They have to spend the night in the forest, which they did not foresee. And so they were talking about, what are we going to do for supper? And they said, well, wouldn't Aslan know that we would have needed food? And the horse, who is not only a flying horse, but a talking horse, he says, he seems to me to be the kind of chap who likes to be asked for things. Yes, that's true. God likes to be asked. Why? If he already knows our needs, which he does, in Matthew's version of this same teaching, it says very clearly, he knows our needs even before we ask. So why ask? Because if we didn't ask and he gave us everything we would need, we would soon forget God. We would. Yet if we're asking for our daily needs and he provides, 
Now we have a chance to say, you did that. Now we have a chance to tell others, he did that. He came through for me in a small way. I needed my voice to come back by Sunday. It came back. Small things. And yet when we tell one another what God has done, how he's met our needs, that is one of the best ways that we can witness about God. It doesn't have to be the Romans road. We can just say, here's what God's been doing in my life. But how can God be doing anything in our lives if we're not going to him with our needs? And he says, I want you to come to me with your needs. Again, the whole rest of this passage. He's saying, I'm like, I'm like the man in bed with his kids, and we're like the one knocking at the door saying, hey, hey, can you give us some food? In telling this parable, Jesus is actually making a joke. He's saying, could you believe that God is at least as good as a surly, grumpy, in the middle of the night neighbor? Could you believe that God is at least that good? I was having a conversation with my dear sister just yesterday in which she's a believer, she's been a Christian her whole life, struggling to believe that God loves her and will do good to her. She says, I, I can see that for others. I, I just, I don't, I don't think it's for me, and actually I think that's kind of selfish, honestly. I said, Julie, uh, Julie's my wife, not my sister. I said, Elise. I said, Elise, that's a lie from the devil. That's a complete lie. It's not selfish to ask what you need from God, especially when you do begin in that place of praise and thanksgiving with the confidence that, you know what, even if I don't get the exact thing that I'm asking for, I know God will take care of me. Because underneath, deep down, if you want to know what our daily bread is, what is it that we really need, way more than food, way more than the things that we do need, we need to know that God will take care of us. And the purpose of this passage, if you just read it through over and over, is really clear. God will take care of you. Yes, he does. Everything that we have, we have received from God. Everything that we need, he has. Let me say that again. Everything that we have, we've received as a gift from God. Everything. Like down to your shoelaces and like your teeth and the planet Venus. Like everything that we have, we've received from God. And everything that we need, He has. And there's nothing that's too small that God doesn't care about it. Ah, that, that detail, it's a little bit below my pay grade. Um, let me delegate. No, God doesn't do that. We have to do that because we're limited. We're finite human beings. We can only handle so much. God's not limited. <laughs> he who watches over Israel does not slumber or sleep. Amen? Praise God. So he says, no need is too small for you to bring it to my attention. I care about the smallest needs. And on the other side, no need is too big that I can't handle it. Come to me with not only your daily bread, but come to me with the temptations and the trials. Right? That's how the prayer ends. Lead us not into temptation. Which, of course, is not us, like, God grabbing us by the hand saying, come to temptation. We're like, no, no, lead us not. Lead us not. No, it's, it's just simply a, a kind of funny grammatical way of saying, get us out of here. Get us away from temptation. Get us away from the things that would lead us away from you. Get us out of the time of testing. See us through this trial and valley. So whether it's the small needs every day, whether it's the big needs of the trials and the temptations that do face us, God says, bring it all, whatever your need may be, 
Let me prove that I'm faithful. Believe that I'm faithful. Now, of course, that brings up the question of unanswered prayer. Well, what happens about those prayers that haven't been answered? Well, it's a sermon for another day. Next week, in fact. Matthew's gonna co- Matthew Woodley's going to cover that question, as well as I think Kevin in his final sermon in this series will also address that a little bit. As much as I'd love to get into that, I'm not going to, except to say this. Jesus himself knows about unanswered prayer. The most famous unanswered prayer of all in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus said, I don't want to go to the cross. Spare me that cross, whatever it takes. God says, nope. So Jesus doesn't get what he wants. But he does get what he needs. He, needs, he receives the strength to be faithful, to complete his mission. And the world is saved as a result. But more on that in the future weeks. What we learn is we go to God first and we go with our needs. Small needs, large needs. Uh, one thing that Julie and I have practiced over the years of our marriage that's been very, very fruitful and very, very doable is every day before we leave, well, most days, we try. The goal is every day. We just ask one another, what do you need today? How can I pray for you today? I can't tell you how many times those little prayers for those little needs, like, oh, I I need this to open up in my schedule, or I need this, or I need that, how many times those prayers have been answered. And i got to tell you, sometimes the small needs being answered is more encouraging than the big, like, ah, this huge thing weighing over me being answered. So I would encourage you, if you have a spouse, or if you have roommates, or if there's somebody that you live, or even a friend that you can call, say, how can I pray for you today? What's your need today? And then be sure to tell one another, hey, that prayer today, God totally answered that. Right, so that's one way to kind of take this message into next week. Uh, Another way, and this one I would really encourage all of us to take to heart. So this is our very doable, one thing that we need to do this week, and it's this. Because remember, the goal of this sermon is to get us all praying every day. Wherever we're at, even if we think, I don't know how to pray, here's how we're going to do that. Each one of us this week, pray the Lord's Prayer three times. It's pretty simple. Yes, this is a toothbrush. If you can brush your teeth twice a day, morning and night, you can say the Lord's Prayer three times a day. It doesn't even take as long to say the Lord's Prayer as it does to brush your teeth. But I wouldn't recommend doing both at the same time. Injuries do occur that way. And I would even say, well, sure, why not? Let your toothbrush this week be sort of the signal. As you're brushing your teeth there in the morning, ask yourself, Have I prayed the Lord's Prayer yet today? No, I haven't. I'm going to stop as soon as I finish brushing my teeth. Right. I'm going to say the Lord's Prayer. And at night, when you're brushing your teeth, have I said the Lord's Prayer uh, this evening yet? No, I haven't yet. Now I'm going to. Say the Lord's Prayer three times a day, every day. And this is something that is so doable. I actually commend that to you to do that for the rest of your life. That's what I try to do. Not that I do it every time, but that's my goal. The Lord's Prayer three times a day. But as you do... As you pray the Lord's Prayer, and as those different phrases, which each of them can shoot off into different prayers, as those kind of roll over your thoughts and in through your heart, also keep in mind the two things we've talked about this morning. Going to God first, and then coming with your needs. So if you don't know 
how else to pray, don't know what else to do, this is it. Three times a day, pray the Lord's Prayer. And as you do, be thinking, I go to God first, and then I go with my need. I go to God first, I go with my need, as I'm praying the Lord's Prayer. And through this, He will teach us how to pray. We will be apprentices at prayer. We'll get better and better. And like, you know, little 17-year-old Brett, I'm not 17. I know you're thinking, you are 17. No, I'm not. Who sounded like his, his master, his teacher. Someday, we will begin to pray like Jesus. How exciting is that? All right, so we've got our assignment for this week. Praying the Lord's Prayer three times a day. All the while thinking, what are my needs? Sorry. Go to God first then what are my needs? And don't be afraid to ask. Let me pray for us. Father, your goodness to us is super abundant. Forgive us that we have weak faith, that we come not even knowing what we need or how to articulate it, but thank you that you do. We praise you that you give us everything that we have and that you have everything that we need. I pray that as we learn how to pray, you would unlock the doors of the kingdom so that that future kingdom that we await and that we long for would come now in our midst. And through our prayers, we would begin to call down the blessings of heaven in our midst. Not just for ourselves, but for the world around us, that we may taste and see that you are good. Teach us to pray, Lord. Lead us as a church in prayer. We are desperate and we know you hear this prayer. So we give thanks to you, Father, through your Son, Jesus Christ, in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.